Go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, we're going to read 17 to 21. I was thinking when I was uh, this week, I'm working on this message, thinking about when I was a kid, I loved to play uh, games like Cops and Robbers. And uh, nowadays, it's, getting to, it's uh, you know, there's no, there's no such thing as a robber. We don't have any robbers anymore. They're all just misguided people who had bad home lives. But uh, when I was a kid, they used to have robbers. People did bad things. And if they did bad things, we called them bad people, right? And so uh, I remember playing that. And, of course, I, did, I was never the kind of guy that wanted to be the robber. Uh, when we played Cowboys and Indians, I respect the noble savage. Don't get me wrong. But I always wanted to be the cowboy, I don't know what it was. I just, I had that, that uh, desire. Maybe someday I will be a cowboy. I would love, love for that. And then sometimes it was just very basic. Good guys versus bad guys. And I always wanted to be a good guy. And why? Be- not because I wasn't bad, but because I just knew that the good guys were the ones that eventually win. You ever read a book where the bad guy wins at the end? Man, it irritates me. Or a movie where the bad guy ends up living and everyone else dies. It's the worst. I don't care for it at all. And when we look at the scripture here, um, we see some bad guys and good guys. In the text, it's examples versus enemies. We've been going through Philippians, so if you haven't been here, you have to forgive us. Uh, we've, we've gotten pretty, you know, down in into it here. And so if it's over your head, don't worry. But Philippians chapter 3 is where we're going to start verse 17. We're going to read through 21. He said, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so, as you have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to sub- even to subdue all things unto himself. You can tell a lot about someone if you know who they consider to be the good guy and the bad guy. You can tell a lot about someone by looking at who they follow and who they fight. And here, Paul tells us there's there's two groups here. Very simple. Earlier in the passage, he talked about pressing toward the mark. And he said, I want other people to press along with me. And he said, there's some people who are running the race in the proper way as believers. And then there are some believers who run away, who, who actually become enemies of the cross of Christ. It's interesting. I really believe in this passage from studying from what I can tell, this is not talking, verses 18 and 19, is not talking about unsaved people. It's talking about saved people. Now, a person gets saved by putting their faith and trust, their faith in Jesus Christ alone. Saying, you, I believe you died for my sin. If I don't have your salvation, your forgiveness, your payment, I'm going to hell. I did that when I was 12. I remember asking Christ to save me. That is not something that you earn. That is not something that you continue to keep up the payments or God is going to repo your salvation. 
This is something that is a gift from God to you. But once you are saved, he gives you an opportunity to walk and talk and live like Jesus Christ before you ever get to heaven. The problem, we have an old nature. We have this old, nasty, Adamic from Adam nature that wants to do what it wants to do. Doesn't have any desire for Jesus. It wants to live however it wants to live. Doesn't want to go to hell. It doesn't want to serve the devil. It just wants what it wants. That's the old man, the Bible calls it. And as a believer, what's interesting, I still have that old nature. So you might see me do or say something that you can't believe. I can't believe a Christian would do that. Well, believe me, stick around. You're going to see something that a Christian should not be doing. Why? I never lost the old nature. I still have it. And that's the struggle. That's why there are such believers as examples and enemies. Even saved people can be my enemy. He says here, first of all, let's look at the examples. He says this, brethren, be followers together of me. Now, a lot of folks are out right there. Followers, I'm not interested in following. I'm not going to be a follower. I'm going to be a leader. Americans, we we have this in our DNA. Find your own path. Be self-reliant. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Uh, Rebellion. And, and, and even questioning authorities are seen as uh, it's, a, it's a good trait to have. Like, they're not taking nothing off anybody. Look at him. That's my kind of boy right there. He can stand up and, and push back, right? People who want to have the freedom to live how they want to choose. We're all afraid of being called sheeple, you know, or doormats or, you know, spineless or teacher's pet, or whatever you want to call it. Because I don't just go with the flow. I stand on my own. Here's the thing. Choosing whom you follow is important. It's very important. But everyone follows someone. And we're supposed to follow. It is a, it is a God-like quality. How do I know? When Jesus himself came down, God in the flesh, when he came down, you know what he said? He said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And to finish his work. He said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. He said, as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus was obeying his Father? You see, if you want to know God and be in close fellowship with him, you have to obey him. You have to follow him. And, 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 you know, you remember when, when Jesus, uh, it was said of, of him, this is my beloved son, twice in Jesus' ministry. The father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well, what's the word he used? Pleased. You know why the father was well pleased with him? Because Jesus said, I do always those things that please him. The father was pleased with the son because the son pleased the father. Well, I don't, I'm not interested in following. I want to carve out my own path. Like, ain't no church that can hold me. There's a lot of believers like that. They get to a point where they're like, you know, church has burned me. I'm done with that. I'm my own independent agent now. I'm going to make this thing happen. And they float and they bounce and all the rest of that. Why? There's something in us that really finds it difficult to follow. Now, I'm thankful to tell you, as believers, we have the ability to choose whom we follow. But the concept of following is all through 
the New Testament. It's all through the entire Bible, really. Notice here, he said, be followers together of me. Who is me in the passage? The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul said, be followers of me. What does that mean? God saved Paul and made him a pattern, an example. So you can follow the line, the life of Paul and do what Paul did. And if you do that, you'll be Christ-like. Isn't that nice of the Lord? To give us a human example. And then Paul took a man named Timothy and Silas and a whole bunch of other ones. And he said, guys, here's how you walk like Jesus. And then Timothy, who was a pastor, he taught some other people, faithful men, how to walk like Jesus. And they continued down the path. Well, how do I know if it's right? How do I know if it's the way that Jesus wants me to walk? It's going to be written down in the Bible. Now, a lot, of, a lot of religions will have, well, yeah, the Bible's a good book. Don't get me wrong. You know, a lot of good verses in there. Uh, but we also have these writings, and, and we also have these books that really, really help us understand the Bible. Well, I'm not against writings that help us understand the Bible, but I can say this. I will say this. Anything that's good in those books, they got out of there. And the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. And God will give you spiritual leaders. Here's Paul saying, be followers together of me. And then he said, and mark them which walk so. Which walk so like what? Well, like Paul walks. Mark them which walk so. Now, I don't know if you're, if you're like me. I don't like the idea that people are following me around. But you, you know you have a phone, you're marked. Right? I mean, they can find you anywhere. You have air tags, you have Bluetooth little things. I have to because I lose my keys, my wallet, I lose my mind, I lose everything. I, you know, often I'm like, where's my mind? And I have to follow and look for it. But I, this morning I had to look for my what? For my wallet. Couldn't find my wallet. And you know what that is? It, there's a little thing I put in my wallet that helps me find it. Why? Because I want to go where my wallet is. I need my wallet. I can't live without my money, right? I, I'm going to follow wherever it is. You ought to be marking people who are following Christ like Paul followed them. See, this is what I mean by example. Example is someone who is doing what I need to be doing. He says this over and over again. He said, be ye followers of me. He said, be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ. So what kind of person should I be following? I should be following people who are following Paul. Pace setters, those that are worthy of being followed. You say, well, I don't follow anybody. Do you have TikTok? Do you have Instagram? Now, I know they don't call it this, but do you have Facebook? These are people that we follow. In other words, we want to know what they think. We want to know what they do. We want to know what they wear and what they drink and what, what, you know, what vacation spots they get to go to that we'll never get to go to. And we're just interested in their lives. We're following them. That's social media in a nutshell. It's wondering and questioning what would that person say. Oh, I can see what they think. Some people are not worthy of being followed. What they think doesn't mean anything. Some people have good thoughts. Paul said you need to mark those people that are following Jesus like Paul followed Jesus. So let me ask you this question. Who in your life is a pace setter for you? Who is setting the pace? 
that when you look at that man, that woman, you can say, I want to know Jesus like she knows Jesus. Let me throw this at you. If you have a pace setter, are you willing to be a pace setter? This is where a lot of us get off, out of humility. Well, I ain't nobody to follow. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. I'm no-. Listen, if you've been saved for 10 years, people are watching you, and someone is setting you as a pace setter. Someone says that's what a Christian is supposed to be. Now, that can be a good example or a bad Paul said, follow someone who is following us, following men, following women that are going in the right direction, following someone that wants to be a skilled musician. They have no problem taking instruction and correction from a classically trained expert in that particular instrument. No problem. Someone who's a master carpenter. They are willing to be followed. They're worthy of being followed. If I want to be a master carpenter, I have no problem taking instruction from a master carpenter. You know, if you want to be a good Christian, you'll take correction, you'll take instruction, and you'll watch other mature believers. Why? That's the life that Jesus lived. That's the life that he wants you and I to live. If you won't take correction, if you won't take rebuke, if you won't follow anybody's example, you're you're not independent and powerful, you're a bad Christian. You're not able to really be Christ-like. That's the example. What would a Christian do? What would a godly Christian do? I'm going to encourage you. Sometimes we hang out with people that are not good examples, and they actually bring us down in our Christian walk. You're going to have to limit that. You have to watch that to make sure that you are not unintentionally following the wrong example. But I want to show you someone else here. This is a little bit more serious even than we might think of following. He says in verse number 18, here's a parenthesis, 18 and 19. He said, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping. He's not happy about this. He's heartbroken. That they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. There are examples to follow. But there are enemies. Notice that it does not say they are enemies of Christ himself. What are they enemies of? The cross of Christ. They're not interested in the cross. Look back at chapter 2, verse 18. Philippians had, the theme of Philippians is how to have joy through the mind of Christ no matter what. The mind of Christ is explained over and over and over again. You can actually have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians tells us the mind of Christ is the Bible. You can know the mind of Christ by reading his word and submitting to his spirit. Okay, so if you have the mind of Christ, what is that going to look like? It's going to look like Philippians chapter 2 where he says at the beginning, let this mind be in you. And then notice verse number 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The death of the cross. Self-denial. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now hold your ears, because what I'm about to say to you is very politically incorrect. 
Christianity is not about making you ridiculously, deliriously happy. It's about making God happy with my life. What do I get? Don't worry. We serve a good God. He will take care of you. If you go on to read a Philippians chapter 2, you're going to find that he took the death of the cross and he went all the way down into the bowels of hell. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him. You see, what we want is we want to be exalted now. Jesus said, no, the cross is now. The glory is to follow. So what happens as believers is we follow Jesus, we follow him, we want to do what's right. And then there comes a point where we run smack dab into the cross of Christ. Jesus said, if any man will come after, what's that? That's following. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The cross. You know, somebody might build a a 25,000 seat mega church and have a nationwide TV ministry by, by, by twisting and perverting half verses of scripture So they can convince you that God wants you to take this book and turn it into some kind of a support book for self-love. That person that's teaching you that might love Christ, but they don't love the cross of Christ. What's the difference? Well, see, some people want to just get saved so they can get fire insurance and not go to hell. And I'm glad to tell you this. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ, he will save you. He, 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 will, he is not going to be a debtor to any man. He has already provided salvation. He is not lying. He's not going to take it back. He says, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Even people who don't want to serve him, he will save them. Now, I'm, you, you can't get to heaven if you think somehow you have something to do with it. You have some way of working it out. I've trained you, God. Remember that one time I did this? And I'm not as bad as her. Stop looking at people. Look up at God honestly and say, am I worthy of going to heaven? You should answer no. Because you're not. See, if you answer, well, I'm better than him. No, 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 no. Not look at her or him. Look up. Am I worthy of going to heaven? The answer is no. Okay, well, how can I get to heaven? Jesus said, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift from God. If you think you can earn it, then it's not a gift. If you have it in your head that somehow you're going to figure this thing out and be a better person and stop smoking and stop drinking and stop sleeping around and all that, and you get done with that, and then Jesus, no. He said, while we were enemies, Christ died for us. He loves you in spite of yourself, not because of yourself. Good, bad, indifferent, it's a gift. But once you become a child of God, God will let you as his child, if you really, really want to, he will let you be a spoiled brat. But he's not going to stop coming by saying, you're acting spoiled. You're acting like a brat. He's going to keep doing that. Why? He saved you to bring him glory. Now, getting out of hell is kind of a bonus, and what a bonus that is. But God saved you to bring him glory. There are some people who don't want to bring God glory. You know what they want? They want to say, I remember when I was saved when I was 5 and 7, 10, 12, I got saved. And, you know, I know I'm good to go. And there's different ways to do the Christian life. It's like you can read the Bible sometimes if you want. Like, it's not so harsh. Right? You know what that is? That's an American Christian looking at the Bible. 
and saying, I want what I want from God, and the rest of it, I'm not really interested in. Why? I've got a life to live. I've got things to do. I got places to be. I got stuff I want to do. Just let me remind you of something. The God that saved you from hell loves you. He is not going to hurt you. But it is going to hurt to love him. God's not looking to punish you and push you around and shove you up against a wall and take all your opportunities and choices away and say, you're going to serve me. He said, if any man will come after me, if, let him deny himself. You know why you're not happy in your Christian life? Because you look at that cross and say, I don't know. Some people go overboard. You know who you're looking at? Everybody else. You ought to look at Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you want me to do with my life? Jesus said, deny yourself. Yeah, but Oprah said I was supposed to, like, love myself. (laughs) Right? Well, Oprah would say that. Why? Because she is in love with herself. Now, listen, I'm not saying she hasn't done some good for some people. I'm not saying she doesn't have any compassion. But I can say at the end of it, you know what she's doing? She's peddling self-righteousness. You can be better. You can go further. You can have your best life now. Your best life. It's all about self. In that book, Your Best Life Now, it says, here's seven ways. Envision your best life. Think big. Find your true self. Let go of the bad. Move forward. Live to give. Enjoy life. Those things are, some of them are very good. Some of them are not good. But at the end of it, you know what it's all about? Me living my best life now. You know what Paul said? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh in Toledo, Ohio, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ is my life. No, it's not Paul is life. Christ is my life. He is supposed to be what I live and breathe for. And so Paul is saying, there are some people who don't want the cross of Christ. Some some say, I'm not interested in self-denial. You see, the crucified life emphasizes denying self. It emphasizes giving God the glory, not me the glory. He gives us some marks here of this, what this bad example, or not just a bad example, an enemy would look like. Look at at Philippians chapter 3. Look at verse number 19. Here's the marks of an enemy. He said, whose end is destruction. Well, that means they're going to hell. No, it means you had a structure, and now it's torn down. The Bible says that if you decide not to serve God... And you live your, your own way and your flesh. He's not going to send you to hell, but he's going to destroy the works of your hands. If any man, he said, him shall God destroy. Spiritually, no, you're not going to hell. You know, as a, as a carnal believer, a materialistic believer, commercialized, hand-dipped in this world, you know what you're doing? You're actually on a path to being destroyed by God. He's going to let you live your life in such a way that God will tear down what he had begun to build in you. He's not taking your salvation away. 
But all the little works and the plans and all the little building that you have, God himself will turn it. He said, that's the end. They're heading towards ruin. Ruin. Notice he said, whose God is their belly. They worship their belly. You know, your enemy, Christian, is a carnal believer. Someone who is focused on their belly. Anything from the chest all the way down to the hips. That whole area. You think about it. That can be, uh, you know, a machine to bring me lots of pleasure. It It can make me just feel euphoric for a short time. For a short time. You know, the Bible does not teach asceticism, self-flagellation. The Bible does not say you need to beat yourself up. It doesn't teach that the body is wicked. It just teaches that God is the one that richly gives us all things to enjoy. Can I eat a steak? Well, no, I shouldn't eat a steak because I like it. No, I should, I should eat the steak because I like it. Thank God for it. But I need to look up from the steak to the giver of steak. Thank you, God. And by the way, God, I want you to know, if you never give me steak again, I'll still love you and worship you because you're awesome. I'm following you. Oh, God, thank you for my family and my children. But Lord, I want you to know, if you take away my family and children, I will follow you because I'm not following you for the gifts. I'm following you because of you. I love you. That's worship. Hey, I got a promotion. Man, it's awesome. You know what's interesting? Sometimes promotions actually take people away from church. You ever notice that? Take people away from God. Why? They focus on the gifts instead of looking at the giver. You see, this is the enemy of a Christian. The enemy of a Christian is a person whose God is their belly. You notice in the text, it doesn't say little g God. It says big G God. You know what that makes me think? Those things that God gave, they're from God. But the only reason why I even care about God is because what he does for me. My God is my belly. You say, that's just weird. Well, think about how often do you think about what you need to put in your belly? See, sometimes as, as, as humans, we get this idea that this world is all about me. Christians think This world is all about them. Just don't smoke. Not allowed to smoke. Smoking is bad. I don't think smoking is healthy. I don't think it's good for you. But you know what? There's a lot of other things you can do. Living a life that just seeks to please itself, even when you don't smoke, that's not bringing glory to God. A person whose God is their belly thinks most of all about how I can have pleasure in this world. It's a carnal believer. It's a materialistic believer. How much of your time do you think about how you can enhance your life? You know, you think about it. We all need times where we can take naps, where we can sleep, where we can relax, where we can enjoy ourselves. But if you're not careful, we start trying to carve out. We're starting to follow the the UK, you know, Europe, where it's like every other day it's off. You know, we got, you know, holidays that last for three years. I'm just kidding. But that emphasis on more about me. Hey, have the government pay for this. Have the big people who have all the money. They pay for my life. We start thinking that I'm the center and I deserve to have these things. That's not only a, a bad example. That is actually your enemy, Christian. 
Your enemy. You know, you know, Americans don't like the word follow. They also don't like the word enemy. We don't like the word enemy. Why? We, we love everybody. You can't live a logical, sane life if you love everyone the same way. There are enemies that you have. And what's interesting, you hear about the world and the flesh and the devil. Those are your enemies. But there's another enemy you've got to keep out for, an eye for. And that is carnal believers. Carnal believers. Even if that carnal believer is carnal, carnal believer is your child or your parents, didn't the Lord say that He was going to come to set variants? He was actually going to set people in their own family against one another. Why? Not because He likes division, but because He requires something. You say, "Well, I'd follow the Lord, but my dad, but my wife, but my my kids—they're kind of—and you know, you start rethinking God because of what your kids do." By the way, did you notice there in Philippians chapter 3, he said, verse number 15, I'm sorry, 16, Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Hey, mature believers, Christians who've been saved for 30, 40, 50 years, don't walk away from the Lord. Keep doing the same things that you've been doing. You know what will happen? Carnal believers, carnal believers will come in and pull you away. And make you think that "Ah, it's okay, it's no big deal. Be careful. We're not following the church. We're not following the rules and guidelines that they put put, put down for us there. You know what we're following? The Word of God. The Word of God's never changed. And we need to find out what it says, and we need to lock our signal onto this book and stay focused. Marks of an enemy. They're heading towards ruin. They're, They're carnal. They, look what he says, whose glory is in their shame. They celebrate things of which they should be ashamed. Notice he says, who mind earthly things. Philippians is all about what your mind, who your mind should be on. Here, their mind is on the earth. And you know what you'll hear people say? Don't be so heavenly minded that you're no, what? Earthly good. You know what that sounds like? Sounds like a carnal believer. Someone who's locked into this world. Now listen, I like vacations. I like, I like going to coffee. I like having fun. I, I, I like hanging out. I like getting gifts at my birthday and Christmas. And, and Christmas is coming up. Amen. It's coming up earlier and earlier every year. Just after the 4th of July, start selling Christmas gifts, you know. Those are wonderful. Th- it's fun. It's enjoyable. But if, I, if my mind is locked into those things, I can't truly follow Jesus. He said the carnal believer, the enemy of the Christian, is the one who is an enemy of the cross. Earthly-minded people are the enemies of Bible Christianity. And let me close this morning by giving you two good reasons to follow godly examples. He said in verse 17, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. And then he gives two verses of parenthesis. And he, notice, so we can connect 17 and 20. He said, Mark them which be followers and mark them. Why? Verse 20. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's reason number one to follow a godly example. The Savior is coming to take you to your real home. Our conversation is in heaven. What is that? Our citizenship. 
Your real home is not this earth. Christian, I challenge you. I challenge every one of us, including myself this morning. Your real home is not, insert your town, insert your address. That's not your real home. He said, our conversation is, is, not will be, is in heaven. So it's impossible for you to be too earthly, too heavenly minded. I'm our, my citizenship is already there. I just have never been there in my flesh. My spirit is already there. The old song said, I'm already there with Jesus, just waiting on my body to be. Right? That's a reason to, fo- to follow godly examples. Number one, Jesus is coming to take you to your real home. And it could be today. Jesus could return. That is, the, that is the amazing, blessed hope that we would see Jesus Christ, our Savior. Notice he's called the Savior. The Savior. There is no other Savior. And he's coming. Here's another reason. You're leaving your body behind. Including your belly. You're leaving your body behind. Christian, you're not going to hang on to your body in the long run. He said, here's the reason to be followers of Christ. You're going to cash that thing in anyhow. It's corrupted. What does he call it there? He calls it our vile body. It's nasty. It's disgusting. There's stuff moving around inside. If I told you what I saw yesterday, a little dead mouse with something inside of the body. Now, this is really kind of crazy, but it's Halloween. There was something inside of that dead mouse that was moving around. And it was disgusting. Your flesh, your old nature, is just as vile. It's dead. It can't take you to hell, but it can't go to heaven. And it's disgusting. I'm not just talking about your physical body. There's nothing wrong with you eating food. There's nothing wrong with you uh, taking a bath, taking a run, playing sports, having fun. Now, I'm not talking about that. But that old nature that desires to do its thing, that doesn't care about God, doesn't want to bend the knee to God, has its own selfish desires, that thing is dead and there's something crawling around inside of it. It's disgusting. And why would you live in such a way that you follow that thing? You, you, you would think of me, you think, some of you think it's disgusting that I even brought that up in church. Amen? It is disgusting. Let me ask you this question. Why is it not disgusting for you to stare at your old flesh and to be intrigued? What is that in there? You know, it almost turned my stomach, and I have a pretty hard stomach. I wonder what it does to the Lord to watch us be infatuated with that old nature. And he says, guys, I'm going to get rid of it anyhow. And amazing, he watches us as we go, well, I'm getting old. Things don't work like they used to. It's true. He told us we're all going to die. We're going to die. But he said, when Jesus comes, he is going to replace that vile body and give us a new body. Not just any new body, but a body that's fashioned like unto his glorious body. Christian, you, who, why, why not follow Jesus? You say, what kind of body is that? It's going to be able to travel faster than the speed of light, just like Jesus did. It's going to be able to go through solid walls like Christ did. 
It's going to be able to appear and disappear at will. It'll be able to eat and drink without worrying about digestion, assimilation, or even elimination. It'll be flesh and bones with no blood. It'll have an omniscient mind that's capable of recognizing any saved person from any age at sight. It'll be immortal. It'll be deathless. It'll be eternal. It is a body of sinless perfection. And that is what is on order for you and I. This is not just something that she said he might do if you work really hard. He said, it's why I saved you to begin with. I'm going to fix the whole thing. Christian, you might be discouraged and down. Your body might be falling apart. And listen, if you get saved, you live long enough, it's going to happen, right? But I can promise you this. God has a new body on order for you. And for every saved person who knows Jesus Christ. I want you to take your Bibles to one final place this morning as we close. Look at chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 24, know you not, know you not, that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run. He said, I press toward the mark. I know where I'm going. I so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. I'm not shadow boxing. I know who my enemy is. But, verse 27, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. A castaway. What does that mean? It doesn't mean sent to hell. It means useless. It means on the shelf. It means an enemy of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. It means God can't do anything with me while I live on this earth. Paul said, I know that could happen to me. I know I could go from being an example to being an enemy of the cross. And I don't want that. So I keep under my body. You know, it's kind of like when you baptize. Sometimes people flail around and they don't want to go down, but I keep them under. (laughs) In the Christian life, nobody's going to keep your body under. You have to do it. You have to surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I give you all my desires. Lord, you can look at my Amazon wish list. Lord, you can look at my garage and my storage shed and my other storage shed and my other house. And my basement and my attic. Lord, you can look at all my relationships and all my Netflix queue. And you can look at everything on Hulu that I watch and everything I listen to on Spotify. You can look at all of it, listen to all of it, and see all of it. God, I am willing to give any of it and all of it to you to keep under my body. Why? Because I have a desire to win the prize. I'm willing to say no to anything that might bring me down, that might keep me from you. I'm willing to say no to my belly. I'm willing to say no to my carnal desires. My mind, Lord, I'm going to get it up off the ground, and I'm going to look up, and I'm going to say, Lord, I'm following you. I want to bring glory to you. Lord, you're going to change my body anyhow. You're coming to get me and take me to my real home. I want to start living like I'm already there. Christian, you can do that this morning. 
You can start right now and say, I'm sick and tired of just living for this little tiny world and my 401k and my five-year plan and my friends and my little white picket fence. All those things have their place, but their place is way, way yonder back behind Jesus. There's nothing I want more, Lord, than to follow you. Just like the folks that got baptized this morning. They said, I have decided to follow Jesus. Jesus.